You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week we have Peter Major. And Peter Major is the Director of Mining at Mergence Corporate Solutions. He's speaking to us from the Departures Lounge of Cape Town International Airport. And we're going to talk about mining. Because you're a miner. I mean, deep down, you're a miner, Peter Major. It's great to see you again and, and speak to you again. The mining industry suddenly has a resurgence in South Africa, despite the mining production numbers from yesterday. Look, resurgence, you have to say resurgence from what, Lindsay? Certain sectors have continued to grow in the new millennium. But other sectors, like the gold in particular, just continues to fall. Open pit mining continues to grow underground mining continues to fall. And we know the big negatives with that is, underground mining employs tens to hundreds of thousands, open pit mining employs a few thousand. And also open pit mining destroys the environment 10 times more, and it imports probably half of its costs. Whereas underground mining, 90, 95% of their costs were locally based. So yes, some sectors in mining are growing, but a lot of the underground ones are continuing to decline. I was trying to lead you into a discussion about gold and platinum. And when I say gold and oh, platinum, boy. I, I don't say platinum glibly. I talk about it as a group metal situation. We'll come to that in a moment. But gold is doing incredibly well. And even you must be excited about it because you're a gold skeptic, I think. Look, I am. I'm skeptical of anything, any commodity that is trading at double its long-term average. And gold has done that. Now, Palladium is also trading at three, four times its long-term average, but it's only shot up there in the last 12 to 18 months, and I still can't believe that's anywhere close to sustainable. But gold seems to be sustainable at double its long-term average. It's holding here at 12.50, 13.50 for about five years now, and that's why Lindsay, the rest of the world continues to produce more and more gold every year. China hits a new high, Australia hits a new high, Canada and America are pushing. The rest of the world loves gold at 13, 1400 because their costs are 7, 750. Unfortunately, South Africa has a disease called whatever the gold price is, our cost will be higher. Mm. So we're the highest cost producer. We're very marginal. Our costs are right under the gold price of 1400. And that's why every year we produce less gold and we're down to about 120 tons a year now. And we'll probably be down to 50 tons in three more years even though we got half the world's gold still. Yeah, but half the world's gold is four kilometers underground. Well, that didn't seem to matter for 100 years, but it does seem to matter now. Because to mine gold underground, you have to have cooperation from government, unions, community, management, and the workers themselves. You need total cooperation because it's much more dangerous. It's much more technically challenging. And... You need low-cost, reliable energy in the form of electricity because you have enormous ventilation fans. You have enormous pumping requirements, air conditioners, ice machines, gigantic hoists. And as we all know, Eskom may have been the most economical, reliable electricity producer for 50, 60 years, but that was in the previous millennium. This millennium, it's the most erratic and one of the highest-cost producers with no change in sight. So the environment is so toxic to even think about going underground, let alone starting a brand new underground gold mine. You're director of mining at Mergence. When you go around the country and you speak to small miners, big miners, medium-sized miners, what is the mood out there? The mood amongst the established open pit miners 
is fairly positive. And because labor is not such an issue, ESCOM is not such an issue, safety is not such an issue, um, communities, they're established, so they've kind of got a rapport. But if you're a medium-sized miner, you can't even cope, starting to cope with the paperwork, the bureaucracy, the rules and the regulations. You have to remember, the DMR in cohorts with governments has introduced 2,000 pieces of legislation that didn't used to be here 20 years ago. They've had 3,000 policy changes. So a big company can kind of handle that. It has a balance sheet, a huge department, staff, but medium and small mining companies, they really battle with that. Now there's a few getting by, but getting by is not how you become a world leader. This country was 50% of listed market cap mining in 1980. This one little country had half the listed mining market cap right here. We're probably two or 3% now. So before we wanted to be number one and we did whatever it took to be number one. Now we kind of don't care. And we just need everybody to come on board and we can improve hugely from where we are today. Everybody meaning government, unions, communities, and the mining companies, and Eskom. And investors. And can we not get back to number one because that's a utopian dream, but can we get back up into the top six, do you think, if we all get together and collaborate? Yeah, I, I think we could. It, it, it's a big if, Lindsay, and we couldn't get there overnight. It would take a minimum five, six years to get into the top six. You have to remember, we've fallen so far that that little skinny country that has llamas and good red wine, um, Chile. Yes. Chile makes more off copper with a third of our population than we do with all our minerals. If we put in gold, diamonds, platinum, manganese, chrome, iron ore, heavy mineral sands, fluorospar, phosphate. I can keep going down the list. Put all that together, it's maybe 38 billion. Chile is easily doing over 40 billion just on their copper. So that's how far we have fallen. Well, this is a national tragedy and it's an international scandal, actually. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it should be on the headlines of every world newspaper and periodical until something's done about it. It's like destroying Silicon Valley for no good reason. So who should be in charge of the minerals and resources of South Africa? Not the person that's in charge now. Is that what you're saying? Well, Gwedi's probably as good as anybody we've got, but we need government to agree. Gwedi can't change it on his own. He needs the National Executive Committee. He needs Parliament. He needs the ANC, Kasatu, the Communist Party, and 59 million South Africans to all give him one message. Grow our mining sector. This is like in World War II, when um, the U.S. government said to Henry Ford, we need war production. They told the oil companies, we need oil production. You do what it takes. Tell us what you need. We all have to focus on winning this war. And boy, we know the U.S., nobody produced ships, airplanes, and trucks and other equipment like the U.S. because we were all focused. And yeah, it's a national disaster. You're only going to get it turned around if everybody recognizes that and agrees to do what it takes. I'm in Rotterdam at the moment, Peter Major, and I was walking across a little bridge across one of the many, many harbors in Rotterdam. And the bridge has two walkways, one which is regulated, and you have to walk on the right-hand side, and the other one coming in the opposite direction. 
and they're resurfacing. They're resurfacing the bridge. And I'm looking at the bridge and thinking, well, it doesn't really need resurfacing, but the municipality is resurfacing it. And that is creating demand for the materials that you need for resurfacing. It's creating demand for employment. Uh, the company that has to do it is therefore earning money and therefore earning taxes. And I think to myself, when it comes to South Africa, it's such a simple economic model. Why don't you do the same? Why don't you start to spend? instead of going into your shell. And when it comes to mining, it's even more of a pronounced a theory, if you, if you see what I mean. Look, without a doubt, and I don't believe any industry comes close to mining on the spin-offs, because when you build a mine, you have a minimum of two to one subsidiary industries. So say our gold mining industry used to employ 550,000 people. That meant there was over 1.1 million people in subsidiary-related industries like engineering, like construction, like agriculture, like transport, like services, mining supply services, food. And those were real jobs. So a mining community was a city. You know, they were miniature Johannesburgs, Clarksdorp, Belcom, Virginia, Vitbank. Dundee, they were miniature Johannesburgs because they had all these subsidiary industries around the mining industries. And we know a mine is big. Mines here employed tens of thousands of people, hardly employed 33,000. You had doctors, lawyers, IT specialists, um, forestry specialists, agricultural specialists, cooking, hostels. And so they were very broad industries that involved everyone, and they paid taxes. Payroll taxes, land taxes, VAT, um, employee taxes, um, company taxes, royalties. So government has foregone tens of billions in rands just off direct taxes by allowing our gold mines to close. Not just allowing, by virtually forcing them to close by all the negative legislation. So the upside is so huge, Lindsay, but we need to do it before we lose all the people that remembered how to do it before we lose people that remembered how to mine underground. Why aren't you a government consultant? Government knows exactly what it wants to do. And it's been doing that for 25 years. So until government decides it wants to do something else, you know, nobody can help it. It's not complicated. It takes a little bit of discipline and it takes a change in ideology. Although more and more people are starting to think, this country has not been running on ideology. It's been running on something far more sinister. Yes. And it only uses ideology and racism as a smokescreen. And we just see it on all our state-owned enterprises. They weren't run into the ground by just bad management. It was actually kleptocracy. Gosh, that's a quite a statement, and I'll take it all in now. Um, but I know you've got to get off to your. I can hear in the background people are calling your flight. You're off, you're off to where Idaho? Didn't you come to Idaho? Yeah, yeah. We're going to try opening a mine in Idaho, and we're going to keep working on a logging camp from British Columbia. Don't they? Don't and that's they what produce, this country needs to do. Don't they produce potatoes this needs in to Idaho? Work on what it's best at mining resources. Oh, sorry, pardon. Don't they produce potatoes in Idaho? Southern Idaho is potato land. Northern Idaho is the world's richest, deepest silver lead zinc mines okay. and forests. You're going back to Idaho, which is in the United States. Is it a Trump-supporting state? Uh, yeah, it very much is. And, okay. and we're going to put them to the word, and we're going to see how bad they want to get their silver mines back to world leaders instead of also rams. They've also uh, abused an industry, 
not just neglected it, abused an industry that built Idaho, that created so many jobs, so much wealth. I don't know what happened. Similar to here, but uh, government now says they want to get the mines open again. They want to give it another shot. But as you know, America right now, total unemployment, 3.5%. I don't think it's ever been that low. I didn't think statistically it could get that low. So have you changed your views about Mr. Trump? (laughs) Yeah, I hate to say I softened a little bit. All the bad things I said about him, I think they're perfectly true. But we've often said if a guy beats his kids and hammers his wife and kicks the dog, before you lock him up, if he's got the country humming like a bumblebee, maybe just um, put it on hold for a little bit. So I think for all of Trump's negatives, he hasn't embarked on World War III. He hasn't engaged us in costly, huge, deadly overseas extravaganzas like a lot of our previous presidents. And maybe he made some long decisions, but overall his decisions do favor business. America is home of capitalism. And when businesses pump, the country pumps and it creates opportunity for everybody there. So, yeah, before they shoot Mr. Trump or impeach him, just make sure you got a plan afterwards because um, he's definitely kept the thing, kept the game going. Peter Major is the director of mining at Emergence <laughs> Corporate Solutions in Cape Town off, on his way to, to Idaho. <laughs> Peter, thank you very much. Hey, it's great talking to you, Lindsay. Hope to see you in person outside of a month. Very soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.